Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oil seed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar and thanks for listening into episode 252. Now it's a pretty busy time of year for the croppers out there. We've got harvest raging ahead, uh, some summer crops are in the ground, others are still planting ahead. So Ethan Woolley is joining me today to chat about some of the key dynamics and market moves for grain, sugar and cotton. So welcome back, Ethan. Thanks, Olivia. Good to be here. You were in command of the hosting mic last week, I think, Ethan, but you'll have to share it with me today. So how about we get started with grains? Perfect. Well, yeah, I guess we've spent a lot of time recently talking to people uh, in the network and on the road about about harvest coming up. And I guess from your point of view, what's what's the current state of play for the wheat market? Yeah, look, it's a really interesting one at a global level, Ethan. We've mentioned on the podcast before that, you know, by the end of September, CBOT SRW wheat contract hit three-year lows. In October, it's sort of been up and then down again, but it's averaged about 12% lower than the five-year average in US dollar terms. And that, you know, that volatility in, in the peak period of uncertainty around Black Sea supplies has really given away to you know, to, to quote Nick Booth's grain market comment from today, he said, no, it, it's really turned into a more apathetic view of global supplies and politics around the world as well. So we're just seeing, you know, cheap Russian and Ukraine wheat really keeping that price levelled out in a fairly narrow trading range on an international front. And there are still some bullish factors there too um, that have given that market a bit of a kick. And that's in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, harvest ramping up both in Argentina and Australia and those crop conditions coming in a bit under earlier forecasts. Um, Looking at the latest WASDE, they cut around 4 million metric tonnes of production, really realising that Australia wasn't going to produce an average crop and there are also concerns in places like Brazil around the weather. Um, but then that that pace of Russian exports has also been slowing. Um, so the, the real big fundamental in there, though, is that major wheat stocks are tight, um, particularly in those sort of major exporters as well, which is a really important thing for pricing. And it's, it's expected to end 2023 and 2024 um, at the tightest level in 11 years. And, and that'll be playing into the outlook for the following season ahead as well. So I know we'll be focused on uh, what's happening here locally as harvest is underway, but what is the trade expecting uh, moving further ahead to 2024 and 2025, potentially. Yeah, a bit of a picture is starting to form now and, you know, it's still a long way to go. But as it stands, um, you know, there are weaker farmer returns around the world. So we're likely to see a bit of a reduced area planted to wheat and down, down from this season, at least. If you look at like the US Southern Plains, that's still dry. So is uh, Ukraine and Southern Russia, which have just recently planted their winter crops. So at this very early point, it might not be a big enough season to seriously rebuild stocks again. The other sort of watching point is the unrest in the Middle East and whether we see some importers try and build up supplies to avoid disruptions as well. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot happening. And I, I know Nick Booth mentioned in his article at, at times the wheat market can be boring, but everything happening in the world at the moment isn't boring. 
for the moment right now, how has harvest been progressing? Yeah, on the yield front, pretty variable, Ethan. So Queensland's harvest is wrapping up now and New South Wales is really in the midst of it. Uh, local reports we're hearing so far indicating that the quality out of those areas have been really good. A bit of a different story in WA. They're expecting production to be down on earlier forecasts. So none of the grain growing regions got good late season rain of any significance and they've been hit with these really persistent hot temperatures and windy days, according to the grains industry of WA, which have driven down grain yields across all regions. Then if you turn to South Australia, you know, harvest is happening at pace. Um, Biterra have called a record intake of grain for October. And we know, you know, southern New South Wales and Vicar are still a week or two off harvest, but yield expectations are, are pretty good and either average or, or better there. So, you know, on, on the price front, there has been a bit of harvest pressure um, and seen local prices track lower in October, but we're still seeing that really strong basis to international values due to the local demand um, and supply outlook. And I guess on that local demand front, uh, we know the challenges facing uh, the livestock trade at the moment. So I guess what a lot of our listeners might be wondering is what is the look ahead for feed grains, uh, particularly given some of the drier conditions in those northern parts of the country where they're being grown? Yeah, it's interesting to look even over the last couple of years where we've had you know really good seasons, total feed consumption here locally in Australia actually remained really high over those few years. And um, one of the major drivers behind that is the increased number of cattle on feed, which no doubt, you know, really helped to drive that. And so if we're looking at this season, um, cattle on feed numbers are still pretty high, not at that peak level, but they're still high. And those dry conditions will mean that we're likely got more producers turning to grain to maintain their breeding stock. So we're expecting to see feed consumption rise this year. One of the markets that's really been booming for Australian growers is sugar. And I know um, prices are still really elevated. So what's been happening there? Is it consumers not able to give up the sweet stuff in the tough times or is it supply driven? Yeah, it's actually entirely been me buying things I shouldn't. No, it's, uh, it's a bit of both. In terms of fundamentals, consumption, people don't want to give up the sugar and we're seeing that globally. In the data, but we're also seeing El Nino have an effect elsewhere. So places like India and Thailand, with which are major exporters of sugar, uh, they're really sort of struggling with their dry conditions at the moment. Um, so much so that it's in the hands of government policy now. So India's they've revised their production back, and they've also extended restrictions on exporting sugar. So whether how much, if any, gets out of India um, is still to be seen as conditions and yield gets downgraded there. Um, we're also seeing similar policies in Thailand, where if you want to export more than a tonne, now it has to go through a regulatory panel for the pricing because they want to monitoring their sort of uh, inflation and food security issues that they have there as well. But with El Nino, and there's always uh, someone's, getting rainfall when someone isn't and Brazil has been getting rainfall and Brazil has had a bit of a boom crop 42 million metric tons um, is expected for 23-24 and that's probably a good thing for the global supply situation because it's going to balance out those losses elsewhere yeah it's a, it's a massive crop but 
what we're currently seeing at the moment is that they've got plenty to sell, but they've got plenty to sell of a lot of things. So the ports are starting to get backed up. Uh, there's been reports of 35-day waits for sugar to get loaded onto boats. So um, it's got to be a bit of a case of accessing it. And when you have tight global supplies, we know that's going to keep prices elevated further. So um, those fundamentals have really seen sugar remain elevated and at decade highs were at greater than $900 a metric tonne in Australian dollars sugar futures at the moment. So it's going to be a really good time for Australia um, in terms of the sugar exports leading into the nearer term. Who would have thought that too much demand is causing trouble and problems like that? <laughs> Look, but that's a that's a great summary. Thanks, Ethan. And I want to turn to cotton though as well. So, you know, here locally, um, a bit of rain on the radar for southern Queensland and east, eastern New South Wales as well, which um, might be in time for a bit of that summer sorghum planting, but I know, you know, you've been watching cotton closely. So what's currently playing out there? Well, we spoke about sugar and people were having too much of it. Cotton's on a bit of a treadmill at the moment. Um, it's really sort of tracked sideways the last couple of months. And that's also what economic growth and demand and consumer goods has been doing as well. Um, so that's been the story. It's averaging 86 cents to the pound, US cents to the pound. And um, yeah, the, the sort of fundamentals we look at to see whether there'll be a shift one way or the other, um, they're sort of balancing each other out at the moment. There's been lower production forecasts for 23 to 24, um, but we still have those elevated stocks on the global market, which we've talked about previously. So the production declines uh, aren't necessarily enough to create that supply side relief. We know China's production is going to be lower. Um, they've had some policy as well as some dry conditions impacting their planted area. Um, and we know that they're going to need to bring in cotton not enough uh, domestic production to cover their domestic needs. So that's a supply side thing that we think could help. But on the demand front, we're also seeing there's a lot of talk about interest rate rises in the US and some further economic stagnation, you'd call it, in the US uh, to come over the, the Christmas period. So we're seeing two things play out where we get, every time we, the supply comes down a little, demand seems to follow it down. What that means, um, essentially... Until we see demand really pick up on the consumer end, um, the USDA has got a forecast to reach 80 US cents to the pound, and that's what the five-year average is. So um, back to the average is the short-term answer for the cotton. But in terms of producing it here in Australia, reports are that water storage is high. If this rain comes and gets to the right places, we might see a bit more uh, dryland cropping going in. Um, the ABARES, they've forecast it to be back from last year. But even then, it's still going to be a strong uh, crop next year. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it, it has been interesting times. A lot of commodities are sort of looking for those global economic indicators to improve, to really bounce back. So keep our eyes on that one for cotton. But thanks, Ethan, so much for joining me today. Um, yeah, great, great wrap up. And we'll, we'll speak to you again soon. No worries. Thank you, Olivia. And uh, yeah, good luck to everyone that's on the harvester currently.